0: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, ala Amma Abad. Alhamdulillah tonight is the first of November in the year 2023. And Alhamdulillah, we moved on to the twenty sixth night that we're going through the exalted and dear life of our beloved Buddha, Sayyidah Khatijah and in the previous session I was highlighting who exactly are the venerable Ahlul Bayt and in a nutshell, there's three clarifications Ayy Surah 33 verse 33 that the Ahlul Bayt in context clearly refers to the mothers of the believers, because they're mentioned prior and after verse 33. Secondly, in the Qur'an itself, wherever Allah Allah mentions Ahlul Bayt, He's mentioning the wives of the Prophet, or the mothers of the Prophets. And thirdly, the word literally means household. And of course, the mother is mentioned in any household. And then I mentioned the hadith in Sayyid Bukhari, where the Prophet ﷺ, he went to each and every one of his noble wives, and he greeted them, as alaykum Ahl al-bayt. So, the second misguided claim of the Rawafid and the August Ahl bayt is the matter of infallibility. So, one of their strange beliefs is that they consider the restricted Ahl al that they've restricted to the status literally of prophethood. That they are incapable of committing sin, they are protected from sin. So Shaykh Murdoodi rahmatullah he elaborated upon this in his tafsir, volume 10, page 108 to 9 of the English translation. He stated, A section of the people have not only misconstrued this verse, to the extent that they have made the word "ahl al bayt" exclusively applicable to only five, to the exclusion of the holy wives, but they have gone even further and concluded wrongly from the sacred words. And he recited the verse: of the Allah liyuzheba anku ahl al bayt wa Verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only intends to keep all filth away from you, O August family, and to purify you with a thought purification. The Shaykh said that, that Ali and Fatima and their children are infallible like the Prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They state that the word rijs in this verse, filth, implies error and sin. And as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, these Ahlul Bayt have been purified of this. So this is their argument. They say, it mentions in the Quran, that Allah, Allah intends to keep rids, R-I-J-S, rids, away from the Ahlul Bayt. And he goes to give them a purer, a total purification. So they say, rids means sin, error. And therefore they have been purified of but then the Sheikh he clarified. However, the words of the Holy Verse do not say that uncleanness or uncleanliness has been removed from them and they have been purified. But the words are to the effect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends to remove uncleanliness from them and to purify them completely. So if you look at the verse, stop in the quote. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّمَا ma اللَّهِ Allah intends to keep. When you say irada, intention. So the verse does not say they've been purified. The verse is saying Allah intends. The con- then the shaykh continued. The context as has been shown also does not tell that the object here is to mention the virtues and excellences of Rasulullah's household. On the contrary, they have been advised here what they should do and what they should not. Because Allah intends to purify them. So the second point the Shaykh makes, he says that if you look at the context, why are they highlighting that this is a verse of the virtue of the Ahlul The context is not talking about virtues. So even contextually, he goes, it doesn't make sense that you're referring this to a a virtue. Mm -hmm. Then he said, in other words, they have been informed that if they adopt such and such an attitude and way of life, they will then be blessed with cleanliness, otherwise not. Mm -hmm. Meaning, if you do all the do's, keep away from the don'ts, Allah will purify (coughs) you. If you don't, then there's no purification. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing he pointed out. Then he said, In addition, If the holy words, Allah intends to remove uncleanliness from you, are taken to mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made them infallible, then there is no reason why all the Muslims who perform their wudu before offering salat are also not infallible. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and he recited Surah Al maidah Surah 5, verse 6. But he intends to purify you and complete his blessings upon you so that you may be grateful. So the second point the Shaykh mentions, Surah, is that if they are persistent and they say no, they've been purified, then you say that we're all purified. Because Allah ta'ala mentions similar with regards to those who do wudu. He wa ta'ala, intends to purify you. Complete his blessings so that you may be grateful. But no Muslim says that when you do wudu, you are infallible. So, note, he's going through it from various angles. First, he's saying this is not the correct understanding of this verse. It's not saying they're purified. It says Allah Allah intends to purify them, meaning they have to do something. Secondly, the other verse of the Qur'an, nobody has interpreted that to mean that they are infallible, that those who do wudu become infallible because the Qur'an mentions it. So note again, they're misinterpreting holy verses. And I've added, for argument's sake, in addition, let's say that the interpretation was correct then why are all the other August family members, holy wives, etc., also not infallible? Mm. So if we say, okay, we concede that you have interpreted the verse correctly, and you have you have said that they are, the Ahlul Bayt are infallible, then all of the Ahlul Bayt are infallible, not just the ones that you've restricted them to. The wives are infallible, the cousins of Rasulullah are infallible, and of course nobody says this. And the other thing which is important to highlight is not only do they say that the Ahlul bayt and I'm mentioning their version of the Ahlul bayt are infallible, they go one step further. And their belief, and this is the common belief amongst all the Rawafid, is that the Ahlul bayt are greater than the prophets. Mm-hmm. That's their belief. So this isn't a war belief of an extreme fringe of the Ahl- uh, of the Rawafid, it's the common belief. Mm-hmm. So now think about that. So, they believe in the 12 infallible Imams. The first being Ali. And the last being Imam Mahdi. And we believe these are noble souls. But we don't believe they're infallible. (laughs) Right? Even though they quote this verse as a proof to indicate that. But, then they've got the cheek to say that they're greater than the Prophets. So now, it's not even worthy of a response. But, The Qur'an also clearly highlights that this is an earth. So in Surah An'am, in Surah 6, verse 84 to 6, in those verses, Surah An'am, Surah 6, verse 84 to 6, Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He mentions 17 Prophets. He mentions, Ishaq, Ya'qub, Nuh, Dawood, Solomon, Ayub Yusuf, Musa, Harun, Zachariah, Yahya, Isa, uh, Ilyas, Ismail, al yasa Yunus, and Lut. 17 Prophets are mentioned there. <laughs> then what does he say? Subhanahu wa ta'ala. In verse 86 he says, وَقُلْ لَنْفَضَّلْنَ 'ala al-'alamin," And we favored the we favored all of them above all the nations. So, what does Allah the Almighty and Glorious say? He mentioned 17 of the noble prophets, and he said, We favored them above all the nations. Clearly in the Quran. How does that fit into their belief that the 12 Imams are greater than the prophets? It's a complete contradiction of the verse of the Quran. So you say, Look, 17 prophets are mentioned. Mm-hmm. Are the ones that you've mentioned, the noble souls, greater than these 17 prophets? If they say yes, they've rejected the Quran. Mm-hmm. Allah Tala explicitly says, mm-hmm. We honored them, we chose them above all the nations, including the Ahlulbeth. Mm-hmm. So, note, this is their wo- belief and their whole belief system revolves around this. The Ahl al-Bayt that they restrict and the infallibility of the Ahl al-Bayt. So now, like I, I mentioned it very briefly, but who do we believe are the Ahl al-Bayt? So the response, and this is a report, I'll mention it. In Sayyid Muslim, Riyadh al Ibn Jarir, Kanzul Umal, Volume 5, page 95, Ibn Katir's Tafsir Volume 7, page 682 of the English Translation. Mishkat, volume 4, number 6, in the chapter on the people of the Prophet's household, Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 3, page 561 of the New English translation. Hussein ibn Sabra, he asked, Who are the Ahlul Bed Ya Zayd? So who is he asking? So Atta'abien, he's asking Zayd ibn Arkham. So who is this companion? Zayd ibn Arkham, he was a youngster in the time of the Prophet, he was a child. But something very special is mentioned about. He was the one who overheard the chief hypocrite telling others that we will expel the un- we will expel the mean ones. We are the honorable ones. Mm. So Zaid brought this to the attention of his uncle. And his uncle said, maybe you misheard. Maybe you didn't hear correctly. So Zaid went to the Prophet and then, when the Prophet called Abdullah ibn Ubay, the chief hypocrite, he goes, did you say these words? He started swearing oaths. He goes, I swear to God I didn't say these words, Ya Rasulullah. <laughs> so then what happened was, people started looking at Zayd, and he was a child, six, seven, eight years old at the time, and they were thinking, well, maybe he has misheard. He's only a child. So Zayd said, I was so upset over this, that people now were questioning my integrity, then Allah, the Almighty and Glorious, He revealed Surah Munafiqoon, Surah 63. And He testified that He was telling the truth. And then the Prophet, in affection, He grabbed the ear of Zayd. And He says, This ear has been verified. <laughs> in other words, He goes, You heard correctly, O Zayd. So, I mentioned that doesn't say Muslim. Because this tribe is asking this same Sahaba. <laughs> Who are the Ahl al Bayt or Zayd ibn Arqam? Then he asked, Are not his wives his family? Now you understand why they're asking that question because <laughs> they're shaitans. Hmm. So Zayd said, Undoubtedly, his wives are members of his family. However, the totality of the members of his august family are those who were not allowed to receive charity after he passed away. <laughs> So what did Zaid say so in the report? Zaid ibn al-Kabr said definitely his wives are part of his family. But then he says but the entirety of the family of Rasulullah the Ahlul al are those who are not allowed to receive Sadaqah. So the question was then posed who are those who are not, who are not allowed Sadaqah? Zaid Anhu said they are the family of Ali the family of Aqeel the family of Ja'far." and the family of Abbas, he asked, were all of these forbidden to receive sadaqah after his death? Zaid said, yes. So let's look at this. So who are the Ahlul Bayt according to Zayd ibn Arq? And he said that the descendants of Abu Talib are Ahlul Bayt, the family of Ali, the family of aqeel the older brother of uh, Ali, and the family of Jafar, so all of them were brothers, Ali, Aqil, and Jafar were all brothers. All of their children are Ahlul Bayt and the family of Abbas. Mm. And the question was posed, all of these were forbidden sadaqa after his passing sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He said yes. Mm. So now this is the report. Now what's interesting, this hadith is in Sayyid Muslim. But the report, which is either just before or after this report, says something else. Mm. The same question was posed to Zayd. He goes, are the wives of Rasulullah his family? He said no. And then he went on to explain because they can be divorced. So if hypothetically Rasulullah had divorced any of his wives, then they are no longer Ahlul bid. This is what Zayd was getting across. Radhi But, did Rasulullah divorce any of his wives? No. So when he left this world, they now became permanent members of the Ahlul Bayt Because there was no possibility now of his wives being divorced. The Rawafid, they only quote the opening statement. Because in Sayyid Muslim, a companion called Zayd was asked, are the wives of the Prophet Ahlul Bayt?" He said no. And they stopped there. And now these are the games they play. So the response is, They've quoted correctly, but they stopped. He went on to explain that they can be divorced, meaning this is why. And this report, what did he say? He said, His wives are definitely his family. So he's explaining, because what I'm saying there is a hypothetical. So, note, this is the games, and I wanted to highlight that here. So now, these are the Ahlul Bayt. Abbas, Rasulullah's uncle, and his children. The response that how did they become part of the family, and it's to do with the cloak again. So Abdullah ibn Abbas عنه, he said, Rasulullah sallallahu said to Al Abbas when it is Monday, come to me with your children that I may supplicate for them a supplication, by which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will benefit you and your sons. Thus he went and we went with him, Ibn Abbas said, meaning he brought all his sons. He said, Allah, Thereupon, covered is with a piece of cloth, and he said, O oh Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, forgive Abbas and his sons, a pardon of the known and unknown, leaving no sin unforgiven. O oh Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, protect him among his children. This is recorded in Tidmudi, number 3787, Hassan Ghalib, Abu Ya'la in his Musnad, Al-Khatib al-Baghdadi, in his Tarikh, 11-241, Mishkat, volume 4, number 24, in the chapter on the people of the Prophet's household, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, had al-Sahaba, volume 5, page 158 of the New English Translation. So let's look at this. So just like he did for his immediate family members, Ali, Fatima, Hassan, and Hussein, radiallahu ta'ala anhum, he put a cloak over them, he put a cloak over his uncle and all his sons and he made a dua that he be forgiven and his sons and may Allah protect him through his children in a slightly different report there's an addition Abu Usaid Sa'idi he relates Rasulullah once said to Abbas you and your children should not leave the house in the morning until I come to you because there is something I need to do So this adds something, Rasulullah is going to their household. He goes, don't leave any of you until I come. Who were his children? His children were Fadl, Abdullah, Ubaidullah, Qufm, Maabad, Abdul Rahman, and Um Umm Habiba. So these were all the children of Abbas. They waited for him, it was only after duha, mid-morning that he arrived. Rasulullah then instructed us to gather together and sit close to each other. When they did, he then threw his shawl over all of them and made the following dua. O oh my Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala, here is my uncle Abbas, who is just like my father. And here are the members of my household, the Ahlul Bayt. Shelter them against the fire of Jahannam. Just as I am now sheltering them with the shawl of mine. Subhanallah, to this dua, even the doorstep and all the walls of the house said miraculously "Amin, Amin, Ameen. Ameen. Subhanallah. This is recorded in Tabarani in his Kabir 19 263, Tabarani in his Ausat, Behaki in his Dalai al nubua 6 71, Al Haythami in Majma al zawaid 9 270, stated Hassan. Imam Sayyuti in his Al-Khasa is al-Kubra 2-309, al Saaba, volume 5, page 158 to 9 of the New English Translation. Ibn Majah Behaki Abu Naim in his Delay number 339, Al-Bidaya volume 6, page 133, all related similar. So this is an authentic report. So now this adds something which wasn't even given to Fatima Ali Hassan and Hussein. When Rasulullah made the dua or made a statement is done. When Rasulullah <laughs> makes a dua for his uncle, the doorstep and the walls of the house say, Amen. <laughs> so there's an additional honor given to the uncle of the Prophet. So note, these are certainly the family of the Prophet. These were forbidden zakat. So a proof In Sayyid Bukhari, once Hassan, he because I was just a child. And I picked a date and the Prophet saw me and he goes, "Kach, kach, spit it out. <laughs> why? Because it may have been sadaqah. So his son, imagine, he's just a child, Hassan. He was not allowed to eat the sadaqah date in case it was from sadaqah. So this is forbidden for the family of the Prophet. Now why is that command there? Every command is great wisdom. So why is Allah the Almighty and glorious forbidden? sadaqa for the august Ahl al And the response is, one of the wisdoms, out of many, is that it's a proof that he was not after anything. When people say, like the fools amongst the unbelievers, he was after kingship, kingdom, then why is he forbidding things for himself? You understand? The king says, yeah, give it to me. I'm the most deserving. My family is the most deserving. I brought you the message. My family deserves everything. So why is it being forbidden to them? Why? Because that's a proof that he's not after anything. He's passing the message on sincerely. So this is why Allah forbade the Sadaqah and Zakat. Now the ulama have differed. Does that apply only in the lifetime of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Or does it apply even after? Some scholars say now because of the state of affairs of the Muslims, because they are allowed to take Sadaqah, because they might be in need and there's nothing in place for them to help them. Mm-hmm. So what do they mean by that? When it comes to spoils of war, there's two types of spoils of war. One is anfal, spoils, booty. The other is fey. So fey, first of all, anfal. Anfal is when there's a battle. The unbelievers are defeated. The spoils are then divided into five parts. Four parts are shared amongst the, the mujahideen. One-fifth goes to Allah tala and His messenger. And Rasulullah then distributes it amongst the needy. That's the normal spells. Fear is a special type of spells. Fear is when no battle takes place. The enemy surrenders. Like uh, some of the Jews. So the Prophet, the Quran mentions that this is all for Allah and His Messenger. Rasulullah would use some of that to support His family. The vast majority of it He gave to the destitute, the need, the wayfarers that the Quran mentions in Surah Ashr, But it's just a fraction of it he would use for his family. So they would support themselves with this. Where is the fear now? <laughs> so the fear is gone. Because obviously the Muslims are very weak. So that's why some of the ulama said that now the sadaqah can be allowed as a contingency for the family of the Prophet if they are in need. So note again, all of this is... To indicating who the august family of Rasulullah are and the reason I've, I talk about this quite often is because of the belief system of the rawafid Their strange belief system is to me is clear on belief because to anyway, any non prophet over a prophet you you must be a true kick mm-hmm. but they try to justify it through the verse of the Quran and if it is correct you respond by saying then what about surat 6 Verse 84, 5, and 6, where Allah mentions that the prophets are the most honored of the creations. It contradicts the Quran's contradicting itself. So the response is, You've made a clear error in belief. Astaghfirullah. Then I mentioned, of course, who exactly are the August family. And uh, they're mentioned in the authentic report. Are there any questions? You want to ask. سُبْحَانَ الله بيحب لي اللهم إلا أن تستغفرك أو بديك أو بقول الله المستقيم سبحانه ربي كربيل سديم خسر